the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning, you're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with David Dawson. Hey, Dave, good morning. Hey, Gabby, how are you this morning? Good, we are having a blast this morning. Our entire morning show crew... It's just we should just we should just <laughs> open the mics because uh, you know we run the gamut with subject know. matter, and it's it but it's all <laughs> sacred. You know what though, Gabby, coming into work today, that fog was thick, uh, and I'm sure it's thick everywhere all along the Gulf Coast. So uh, if 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 you're in it, you know, hey, if you can get to work, go to work a little bit earlier and be careful, and especially going across that causeway coming in or going out of uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. just be really really careful this morning. Gabby, shall we start with prayer? Yes, let's start. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, the fortitude to continue our Lenten devotion, and thereby draw even closer to you as you journey towards your passion. May we follow the teachings and examples of the Bishop St. Peter Damien, who put Christ above all things and served your church with devotion, and in so doing, we may be led to the joy that is found only in you. We pray this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, amen. Holy Spirit, amen. St. Peter Damien, pray for us. He is our pray saint for us. of the we day. Will, we will learn more mm-hmm. about St. Peter Damien later on during our saint of the day. I actually don't know much about him, so looking forward to that segment later on. And at 10 after, we have some events in our listing area we will give you details about. You can find all of these events at our website at ccmedia.live. In 18 minutes, Colleen Scariano joins us. She is the co-founder of SoulCore, and today we are talking about Catholic fitness. So if fitness is part of your New Year's resolutions, maybe Mm -hmm. you've incorporated it during Lent. Mm -hmm. We'll take a look at this Catholic fitness journey that she can, she's going to be giving us details about. So uh, looking forward to that conversation mm-hmm. with Colleen. Maybe it'll inspire a few of us to get out and get active that. today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think most of us could use that on a few days, especially those days where we're a little tired. So I, I want to know looking what, forward to Colleen. You know, what is Catholic fitness? That's what I want to know. She's got me very curious about that. Walking same, to the same, fish same. fry, so. right? <laughs> <laughs> Praying as we walk to the fish fry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Julia Sadusky joins us. She's a clinical psychologist, and she today she's talking about her new book, Start Talking to Your Kids About Sex, A Practical Guide for Catholics. So looking mm-hmm. forward to talking to mm-hmm. Dr. Julia today. This could be something relevant for many parents right now as yeah. our children get older. So looking forward to this conversation and getting some wonderful insights from Dr. Julia 
And in 48 minutes, Dr. Jordan Haddad joins us. He's a professor of dogmatic theology over at Notre Dame Seminary and the president of the St. Louis the Ninth Art Society. And today for our Catholic 101 segment, we're going to be talking about grace. How do we get it? Well, it's not just grace, something so you say before meals, right, Gabby? Right. How do we get grace? <laughs> yes. So he'll give us details about it. So looking forward to that conversation. That's something that I've never thought, oh, how, how does one get it? I just always thought we pray for grace or mm-hmm. give me the grace to do X, Y, and Z. So yes. Dr. Yes. Haddad's going to dive deeper into the meaning of all of that. Yes. But stay with us. Dave, we have gospel from Father Chris Decker and a gospel reflection from Jimmy Sagers, followed by some events in our listening area. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Stick around. We have so much more for you today. It is five past the hour on Wake Up. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 11. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation, and she will condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it, because at the preaching of Jonah they repented, and there is something greater than Jonah here. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. In today's gospel, Jesus condemns his evil generation, a critical expression that he will use six times in chapter 7 of Luke's gospel in order to punctuate his displeasure with their behavior. They refuse to hear his message and repent. So severe is his reprimand that Jesus compared them unfavorably with the pagan Ninevites who responded at Jonah's preaching and the queen of Sheba who traveled a great distance to learn from Solomon's wisdom. Jesus is far greater than Jonah and Solomon, but he is ignored. But that was a long time ago. So, how does Jesus judge our generation? Well, are we listening? Have we repented? Ultimately, the evil generation of Jesus' day shouted for his crucifixion. We, in contrast, have crucified Jesus more than 65 million times by legally murdering innocent babies. For Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these, these brothers of mine, you did it for me. But if that horror is not enough, politicians are now promoting laws that will allow the slaughter of babies at every stage of pregnancy. In C.S. Lewis's brilliant satire, The Screwtape Letters, the demon Screwtape advises his nephew Wormwood to destroy human understanding of history. Then the dummies, that's us, will repeat the same mistakes of the past. Jesus' evil generation became Roman slaves in 70 A.D. with the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple. Well, what about us? Psalm 127 gives us this admonition. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Our rejection of God is bringing us to the precipice of destruction. This applies to our families, where most children are now born out of wedlock, as well as to our country. And let us remember, to fall in love with God is the greatest of all romances. To seek Him is the greatest adventure, and to find Him the greatest human achievement. But this is how it works. If we truly love God, we will seek and find Him only to discover to our surprise that all the time He was knocking at the door of our hearts, asking to come in. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers. It's 11 past the hour on Wake Up. You are tuning your heart to the truth. We're so glad you're joining us today, and we have some events in our listening area. We want to give you details about, in less than two weeks away, David, our spring pledge drive will be taking place in our Baton Rouge studio Tuesday, March 5th through Thursday, March 7th, mm-hmm. from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on all three days. This is our on-air fundraiser to help us raise money for our studios to keep the lights on to continue to broadcast to you because we are 100% donor funded so we do rely on your donations to continue to broadcast uh, EWTN programming wake up um, our app our website there's so many things that run in the background computers the many oh computers that we have in the yes. background yes. Uh, and so this is where we come to you right Dave to, to ask for help absolutely and this is your chance to give alms you know uh, during Lent you pray you fast and you give alms and this is giving alms this is uh, you know doing for a a good good cause and you're actually doing more than just giving to the radio station you're changing lives you are changing hearts and you are changing minds but Gabby, you're absolutely right. When it comes to the equipment, my goodness, um, as we speak, we've had a computer go south on us. All right. And so, you know, and it, these are the computers that just keep the station running. <clears throat> Pardon. But we do end runs. You know, we have a way of patching things until we can fix the computers or we may have to replace the computer. We just don't know because these things are constantly running all the time, 24 hours a day, keeping the station on and alive. They work really hard for us, uh, but they mm-hmm. are still just machines, and they still need replacing and repairing all the time. So this yes. type of things, the electric bill, uh, uh, all, uh, insurance, oh, my goodness, that has gone way up, too. You know, things like that we have to pay for. But I promise you, I promise you we are skimping and scraping the best we can for you. So, so please, whatever you can give. Uh, during that week. And hey, Gabby, we're going to have a good time doing it, by the way. You know, we do everything with joy, right? Yes, we do. And I will reveal the guest lineup starting next week. So looking forward to that. But we have guests all the way from the Diocese of Baton Rouge, Home of Thibodeau, Archdiocese of New Orleans, and Diocese of Biloxi, priests, deacons, lay people. Uh, It's definitely going to be a wonderful pledge drive. And it's always a fun, entertaining time uh, where we come to you and ask for your help. So please consider 
donating during our spring pledge drive. That's right. Keeps us going. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, uh, 40 Days for Life. We're, they're going to be holding a prayer vigil in front of the Planned Parenthood on Government Street in Baton Rouge. And that's from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. It's going on now, but it's going to go on until March 24th. Please join, a, uh, join us and pray for an end to abortion worldwide. More information on that, go to ccmedia.live. There are so many events happening at our website at ccmedia.live, and you can submit yours today. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many people have submitted a plethora of events at one time. If you have them, send them. (laughs) We will post them on our website, whether it's a fish fry, a day of prayer, a Lenten morning day of reflection. There's a lot of those. St. Joseph altars. You can send it to us because we talk about it on our morning show. So it's absolutely free to send us your event. You can go to ccmedia.live media.live click on events and news then click submit your event it goes to me and i post it on our website so don't be afraid a school fair um an open house i know open houses are done with that but still stuff like that you know uh, any kind of any kind of event fish fry those are our favorites Mm -hmm. (laughs) stay with us we have more when we return from the break it is 15 past the hour on wake up This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 21st. Today we celebrate St. Peter Damien. Poverty and family neglect could have made Peter Damien a troubled person. Instead, he grew to be one of the great figures of the medieval church, a writer, a poet, and something the 11th century church especially needed, a reformer. Peter became a Benedictine monk and lived an austere life that focused on prayer, fasting, and abstinence. He was elected abbot and used his authority to speak out on some of the abuses of the time. These included the buying and selling of church offices and violations of clerical celibacy. After being made a bishop of a diocese near Rome, Peter spoke out in new ways, challenging various anti-popes who sought to displace the duly elected pontiff. While he was abbot, Peter periodically received calls from Rome to serve as peacemaker or troubleshooter between contesting groups. Finally, he was made Cardinal Bishop of Ostia. He ultimately asked to be relieved of these responsibilities, and receiving approval, Peter was happy to be just a monk once again. Peter Damien died in 1072. He was never formally canonized, but some 750 years later, he was declared a doctor of the church. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith along with David Dawson. And we're ready to get our fitness journey on with Colleen Scariano. She's a co-founder of SoulCore, which is a Catholic fitness apostolate focused on the integration of soul and body. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me this morning, Gabby. Okay, so SoulCore, Catholic fitness. This is something I've actually never heard of before, and I am very interested in it because you know, the Lord gave us our bodies that are uniquely ours, but are uniquely His, and we should take care of them. Not only that, but it makes us feel good, too, when we take care of our bodies. So tell us a little bit about SoulCore and how you guys got started. 
Well, SOCOR is a movement that combines the prayers of the rosary with um, physical movement, a restorative movement, functional movement, and stretching to nourish body, mind, and soul, and to really help to engage the whole person in the sacred experience of the rosary, and we also have some other prayers as well, and to really nourish body, mind, and soul all together. Because as you said, we are created body and soul, and our, our responsibility is to be a steward of the whole person and to, and to, to address the health of both body and soul. So when you say stretching, are you, you know, there's kind of a thought, well, a lot of Catholics are against the practice of yoga because they believe, many believe that it is a pagan form or the stretching, the symbols and everything like that behind it. Others don't think that way. So what's kind of the, the thing behind soul core? Is it kind of like that? Well, you know what, thank you so much for asking that question because we always like to be able to distinguish the difference. Soul core is not yoga, nor do we use any yoga poses or any Sanskrit or anything like that. We really have kind of an opposite philosophy. Um, we're really about filling our mind and soul specifically with the life of Christ and the virtues that we get to reflect on through the mysteries of the rosary. And soul core was never, it was never designed as an as a alternative to any other practice. But it has evolved as an alternative for Catholics and Christians to yoga. Um, we, we like to say it was simply a yes to an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> that, the way that Soul mm-hmm. Four came about. So um, if that helps people understand a little more. It does. And there are so many benefits to stretching. Um, our body needs it and, and becoming flexible and just having that stretch. Uh, it actually helps us to live longer and makes us make, helps our body feel good. There's David Dawson stretching right now, you yep. guys. Yep. It's something so simple. <laughs> I just, as just doing muscles. it every day. Yes. <laughs> yes well, that's well, it. You know, <laughs> And Gabby, and Go for ahead, all Colleen. those reasons, and we, we really talk about that soul core really is about becoming the most fit instrument for Christ that we can be. Um, for, you know, no, no vanity, anything like that. It's really about being able to live our vocations as fully as possible. And really, in order to do that, we have to address the health of, you know, the whole person. Exactly. Why do you think Catholic Catholics, but especially Catholic women, because this is kind of geared toward Catholic women, why do you think that we need this today? Well, you know what, one, one thing that we love to say about the rosary, too, is, it, is that it's such a transformative prayer um, that slowly and imperceptibly we are transformed in praying the rosary. Our hearts and our minds are made more like the hearts and the minds of Jesus and the Blessed Mother, which um, is, is such a great thing. But also what it does is the rosary also helps to cultivate interior peace and helps us to grow in virtue. And so not only women, but everybody needs that. You know, we are living in a world where there's a lot of um, disunity and a lot of divisiveness. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, our lives are filled with such busyness that we don't often have times of, you know, silence, prayer, rest, movement. And, and that all helps, along with the prayers of the rosary, to create a sense of interior peace, which is so needed in our world today. Um, and then growing in virtue, you know, in, in order for any of us to live out our Catholic faith fully, um, or, you know, or Christian faith, we have to be we have to be growing in virtue because those are what we need to put into practice in order to live out, you know, live out the faith fully. So, how do we get started? Is there a video we watch while we're stretching? Is it an audio <laughs> you know version? You know, our, <laughs> our website is a great resource, which is soulcore.com. We just launched a new website. We also launched an app, and that really is such a great place to start because you can learn so much more about Soulcore. You can watch some sample videos. We also have a free trial for our 
um, online studio where there's many, many digital options, over 100 class offerings that are on there with different leaders and length of time, different prayer offerings, not only the rosary, but the Stations of the Cross and chaplets. Um, and so that's a really great place to start. And then um, we have this online studio, which after, if you do the 14-day trial and you, you feel like it's something that's something you want to integrate into your life, then, you know, you can join as a member there. But we do also have local classes throughout the country, and we have many in Louisiana as well. So you can find that as well on the website, find the local classes. We have over 200 leaders across the country, and we also have even classes outside the U.S. Um, so the Lord just continues to do great work. It is growing soul court um, by leaps and bounds, which is so exciting. But that's a great place to start. And we're on various forms of social media. Again, if people want to learn a little bit more about um, at Soul Corps Project on um, the various forms of social media to learn more about Soul Corps and our mission. Very nice. Okay, so Colleen, we're busy, you know, <laughs> as women, we're taking care of whether we're homeschooling, taking care of teaching our children um, at home all day, or we're working parents, we're single parents. Um, we're very busy. We have a full plate. We have activities. How do we make time to fit in physical fitness uh, for our bodies and for our souls? You know, you're right, and it has to be, we really do have to set that as a priority. And for me, as when I had the inspiration for Soul Court, it really came from, as a busy mom, I was really, I combined running and the rosary, and I did that more out of, like, mm -hmm. I need I need to combine two things at once to get these done because my time was, was short. But what I found was it was really the most beautiful time and reflective time of prayer. And, and through some tragedy in my life, um, I was, I really learned that became a healing instrument in my life, the combination of running in the rosary and then eventually adding, you know, the core strengthening in the rosary. And so I really just try, for women especially, because we are caring, especially those that are mothers, caring for our families, and we really have to mm -hmm. care for ourselves so that we are in a position to be able to, again, fully, you know, live out all those responsibilities that, that we care for. The great thing with Soul Core is the full Soul Core rosary takes about 45 minutes um, to even sometimes even a little bit longer than that. But we have lots of options if people don't have that much time at one setting. We have options that we do mini decades, which are really like around 10 minutes or even shorter. Then we have some that are 30 minutes. So lots of different offerings for people um, with different amounts of time allotted. And we always like to say that Soul Corps, there's no fitness level required because our, the heart of our mission is praying the rosary and engaging the whole person in prayer, which we'll do every time. But the movements can always be adjusted to anybody's physical limitations or capabilities. Um, and so we have other offerings. We have all stretch. We have movements that are from a chair. We have, you know, classes for people that are pregnant or post post recovery after pregnancy. So, so many different mm -hmm. offerings. And um, yeah, so, so it's really, there's something for everyone. Colleen, it's it's David jumping in here. You know, you, you're, you're talking about a, a lot of this is based on the rosary. Now, when I say the rosary, I get highly distracted easily. You're talking about running while you're saying the rosary or walking or doing some other exercises. How can you do that and stay focused at the same time? You know what, David, that is such a great question. And and really what I found in my own personal experience, and now many participants of Soul Corps have shared the same thing, is that it actually helps us to reflect more deeply. And I'll just share two, okay. two things with Soul Corps that, that help us do that. When our mind is, is focusing on some mechanics of movement, mm -hmm. it, it really doesn't have the ability to be distracted by things that typically would be, maybe our list of to-dos today, you know, the worries right. that are on our mind. When you engage that, so it actually kind of really, and then movement helps to seal knowledge. A lot of physical therapists or speech therapists will will share that that that's what they do when they're helping to help have people work on speech or anything any developmental. Um, 
skill like that, mm-hmm. they will actually add movement in because it helps to seal the knowledge. So when we reflect on the life of Christ and we have movement, we're actually sealing that, you know, that knowledge within, which is great. Nice. Um, and then in Soul Core, we actually offer times of movement, but then we offer times of rest where you come down and you get to just be a receiver of the reflection on the mystery, the virtue of the rosary, and then um, we share scripture and how that virtue kind of um, is how we really need to live that out in our lives. So we found people have said it's actually helped them to reflect more deeply on, on the life of Christ, the mysteries of the rosary, and the virtues. So it's interesting, but that is kind of the first thought maybe. How, how does that all work, mm-hmm. you know, combining the movement with prayer, and is that distracting? But, um, and, and at first it can be, you know, because it's different. It can take people a little time to acclimate into that, but what, what really our participants have found that it, it ultimately brings them to a deeper place of reflection and meditation. Okay, I love that. I love how you can incorporate different forms of exercise. At the beginning, I thought it was just stretching, but now when you say running or different activities, um, and I'm all about closing the exercise ring at the end of the day. Sometimes if I don't close it, I still feel accomplished, but this will help you close it if you're in that goal and you're obsessed with that or your Fitbit, but definitely check this out. Colleen, where can our viewers and listeners go to find out more about SoulCore? The best resource really is the website, which is soulcore.com. And there you can learn, you can connect to our app and our online studio and local classes throughout the country. Perfect. Thank you so much, Colleen Scariano, co-founder of Soulcore. Definitely check them out. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Gabby and David. God bless. Good thing. Interesting. So, huh? what are you going to do now, Dave? Well, you know, are you going to do stretching? It, it, it's so interesting mm-hmm. that we read a blog. My wife and I both read this blog recently, and it was about a gentleman going through some very high stressful times. And his spiritual director told him, "Whatever you do, do something to the point of physical exhaustion while you mm-hmm. pray, and then go out and do something for other people." It's sort of like Lent, right? And wow. it changed his life. He said it it made all the difference in the world. So that part is left out a lot, I think. So this is very interesting. Yeah, even yeah. something as little as walking around the neighborhood after sure. a day of working, uh, 20, 15, 20 minutes, you and your spouse or you and your headphones and whatever, you know, take the kids with you. So there you go. You're moving your body. Yep. All right. Stay with us. Uh, half past the hour on Wake Up, Dr. Julia Sadowski joins us when we return from the break. Five past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Gabby Smith. And uh, if you're driving, just be very, very careful out there. I, I know there's a lot of fog out there, and sometimes it's okay to be late because it's a higher priority. So, so just be careful. Slow down a little bit. Right now, we're joined by Dr. Julia Sadusky. She's a clinical psychologist, and we're going to talk about her book, Start Talking to Your Kids About Sex, A Practical Guide for Catholics. This sounds like a much-needed book. Good morning, Dr. Mm-hmm. Julia. Good morning. Good to be with you both. Dr. Julia, the first question that comes to mind is, how early do we do this? Do we start talking to our children? Yeah, so um, in this two-book series, really what I wanted to do is to say that there are conversations we're not having when kids are pretty young. So Mm -hmm. there's things we can talk about with kids that don't have to do with actual sexual intercourse that have to do with teaching them, for instance, accurate terms for parts of their body and specifically genital 
areas of their body. So Mm -hmm. that's something you can do with kids as early as they're learning other parts of the body, right? And just teaching them what those are called. And it can feel kind of funny to some people, but interestingly, it's the number one thing that can prevent kids from childhood sexual abuse is them knowing um, the accurate terms for parts of their body. So uh, that's one of the things that we talk about. And then um, body boundaries, so safety, uh, you know, physical touch and, you know, the book talks about, do you have to hug a stranger or how do you greet people that you don't know if your parents know them and just teaching kids about their bodies and about other people's bodies as they get a little bit older, which they start to notice probably around three to five. And so as we get older, then obviously usually conversations about actual sex will come up a little bit later, you know, but and somewhere between eight and 10. But that's a little bit about some of those early conversations that we don't always think to have that right. can be really helpful for kids. I do remember when I was a kid asking questions and having my parents a lot of times say, we'll talk about that later. And I, and I don't recall okay. them, us ever doing that. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's that deference, right? They say, oh, we'll do that when we're less nervous. And that day doesn't tend to really come. Exactly, exactly. Now, now, what probably inspired you to write this book, I guess, is just because of, you know, the things that are going on nowadays. It's, it's crazy out there. Uh, but what exactly did inspire you to, to write this book? Great question. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a couple of different things. To be honest with you, these are some of the most common questions that I write about in the book yeah. um, that I would get as a clinician. Uh, and so a lot of it came just from the questions I was getting from the families that I worked with and okay. primarily parents who, Catholic parents who were saying, and friends of mine who were saying, gosh, you know, I'm, I want to teach a Catholic vision of human sexuality and my kids are learning things about sexuality earlier and earlier. Right. So it feels like by the time they're a teenager, I'm the last person talking with them about this. And at that point, they've gotten an education from everywhere else mm-hmm. but me. And, you know, if the parents are honest, they can also feel like nobody taught them. So yes. you're trying to have these conversations that, like you said, you just heard your mom and dad say, oh, we'll talk about that later, right. and that day didn't come. And so... I think trying to model for parents as a mental health professional how to have these conversations is something I already do as a clinician, uh, but certainly thought, why not put it in a book form so that more parents can get access to it and we as Catholics can really get on the same page as to a developmental approach to these conversations. That's fantastic. You know, you did bring up the fact that they are being bombarded left and right, and they're going to learn it from somewhere else. So uh, one Mm -hmm. of the things that comes to mind is our phones uh, and other Mm -hmm. electronics. What do you recommend on that? Yeah, great question. So actually, in each of the books, the child book and the teen book put an entire chapter on technology use because, as you said, it's it's everywhere. And mm-hmm. if kids are going to have technology, they're going to be exposed to things. And, and it really is a matter of time. I mean, they can see an ad come up, right? And so I do lay out a framework for different age groups and just, you know, limiting tech use, especially zero to three. Uh, we're finding now that zero to three, the only thing kids should be doing on phones is FaceTiming people. If they're seeing human faces, that's okay. Outside of that, we really want to limit that screen time 
um, with the exception being educational shows. And then, you know, as kids get older, we do start to share with them just preparation for things. We do this when we go out in public for safety, right? If somebody mm-hmm. ever comes up to you and talks to you, uh, here's what you do, right? And yeah. here's what you don't do. Right. And, and it's the same thing here. You know, if you ever see something on your phone that, or on mom's phone or dad's phone or a friend shows you something on the phone, um, that makes you feel kind of yucky in your body or um, confused or you have Uh questions about, especially if it's people's bodies, right? And Uh their bodies are um, undressed and bodies are are private. They're not for people to look at. And so Uh if you ever see anything like that, saying to a kid, yeah, we're not going to get mad at you. We're not going to punish you. We just want to know. It's always better for mom and dad to know than not know. And you're just starting to really plant the seed for them early and often um, especially as they go out and are at school or in, you know, doing sleepovers. Sure. These are kind of common situations that we can plan for more proactively. Um, because to be honest with you both, what I hear often is parents have these conversations in crisis mode. Something has happened yes. right on the phone, and then they have to have the conversation. And we all know mm-hmm. that that is a lot more emotionally charged than if you can do it proactively. Right, right. You're, you're working somebody out of a crisis. So, so this is more of a preventive maintenance, if you will, right? That's correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, it is called a practical guide uh, for Catholics. Talk about that. Are you, are you reflecting on this um, um, theology of the body, or, or what is the Catholicity of this? Yeah, great question. So there's actually a USCCB document that I think it was written in 1993, uh-huh. um, the early 90s, that reflects on the developmental stages of kids and talking with kids about sexuality. And actually, if you follow along the book, you'll see a lot of those principles come through Um I think my effort is just to make it a little bit more accessible than a, a USCCB document, if that makes sense, yeah, and then sure. incorporating what we know in modern psychology. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, Theology of the Body has really positively impacted my life and has shaped my own understanding of sexuality, and I infuse that in the book. So okay. there's there's different reflections as we go that just account for church teaching, and you know, especially as you get into things around uh, masturbation and pornography. Mm-hmm. I, I, that would make it a distinctively Catholic resource as opposed to what you might read from a secular psychologist or yes. from a um, an, a non-Catholic who is um, not as concerned about those behaviors. So the framing is is un- rooted in a Catholic lens. There's some reflection on that, um, although I, I make the point to say in the book, you know, this isn't a foolproof argument for a Catholic vision of human sexuality. Other people are better equipped for that, but really my expertise is the psychology of it all and how that actually complements what we know about uh, the human person in theology. This sounds like such an important book to have, yeah. and uh, especially for new young parents, right, Gabby? I think so, too. And uh, the one thing I found, Julia, as uh, our generation is getting older and having children is that many of our parents have uh, seen sex as taboo. And we don't want that. We right. want to have that open conversation. So how, how can this book guide us with doing that as new parents? Yes, so the first chapter of of the book actually looks at that very piece that you mentioned, which is, you know, who taught you about sex? How did they talk about it? And what messages did it teach you about human sexuality? So a very common one being that it's taboo. 
Mm -hmm. Um, We don't talk about it, or at least not now. We can talk about it later, somewhere in the future. Um, And so just really, there's some journal prompts in there, just some invitation to reflection for parents, because I've found what you found, which is that it's not that parents don't want to have these conversations. Most will say we need to have these conversations, and they will say we don't know how to have these Mm -hmm. conversations. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just that first chapter reflecting on what's getting in the way, the barriers for parents, you know, what anxieties come up, and then giving parents actual strategies to help them manage those anxieties. But all throughout the book, just giving literal scripts, language, and categories for how to think about this, and and almost step-by-step as you go for certain moments. Well, Dr. Julia Sadusky, thank you once again. The book is called Start Talking to Your Kids About Sex, A Practical Guide for Catholics. God bless you for what you've done. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Dr. Jordan Haddad about grace. Forty-eight past the hour. I'm David Dawson, along with Gabby Smith, and right now we are do- uh, joined by Dr. Jordan Haddad. He's a professor of dogmatic theology at Notre Dame Seminary, and he's also the president of the St. Louis the Night. St. Louis the Ninth Art Society, uh, and uh, we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking graces this morning. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. It's good to be with y'all. Good morning. Look, you know, we, when we talk about grace, you know, Gabby had mentioned it a little bit earlier. Like, uh, what is it? How do we get it? Because you know, we say it before <laughs> meals. We hear it all the time. God's grace. <laughs> talk about that, and how do we obtain God's grace? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's something always worth reflecting upon because mm-hmm. it's an, an everyday part of the Christian life. Um, so I'll start by defining grace and then, and then kind of go into, uh, into how we should think about what it means to receive grace, mm-hmm. different avenues of grace that God offers in our lives. Okay. Um, so according to the Catechism, paragraph uh, 1996, it says grace is favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives to us to respond to his call to become children of God, adoptive sons, partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. Mm -hmm. And that grace is a participation in the life of God. It introduces us to that Trinitarian intimacy. And this reality of grace is extremely important, um, not only because we are fallen creatures and we suffer the effects of that, like having darkened minds, weakened wills, and that ever-present inclination to sin that's always knocking at the door, and so we're wounded in our humanity, Mm -hmm. but also because the calling of God that He has for each and every one of us in Christ is supernatural, which means that it really surpasses and transcends whatever we're capable of achieving on our own. And so to achieve so great an end, to receive so great a, a calling, requires a principle or cause that's greater than what we are by nature. And this requires the the gift, the life, the action of God within us to heal us, to perfect us, and really to elevate our humanity. So we are made capable of participating in his life because we're made in his image, but we can't get there on our own. Mm -hmm. So that's what grace is in a nutshell and why it's important. Um, So the next question naturally is, well, what do we need to do to receive it? Right. Right. Now, that's an interesting question, because the initial answer is probably not 
what many of us are expecting to hear this morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the sort of shocking answer, and then I'll clarify and nuance it a little bit. Okay. But what do we need to do to receive God's grace? In the most basic sense, we don't need to do anything. <laughs> and that's probably uh, catches most of us off guard. Right. But there's an important truth there, right? We don't need to do anything to receive the grace of God because God is always, and we really do mean always, the initiator of our relationship with Him. He's the initiator of our conversion and salvation. So for those listening, you might have heard that, that saying, you know, religion is man's search for God, mm-hmm. whereas Christianity is God's search for man. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of truth in that. Because before we can do anything to receive the favor and the blessing and the grace of God, it's God's grace and help that is already in our lives, moving us to conversion, turning us towards Him. And that's a key idea in Catholicism, right, that grace is always and everywhere primary. It's first, right. and it's the thing that leads us to pray, you know, to love God, to turn away from all that's not of Him, and to do all things for the sake of God. And so in one sense, we don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. to receive God's grace, because God is always first acting in our lives, and He doesn't wait to bless us only once we've gotten our act together. That's, right? that's Instead, uh, because you, we're so conditioned to to say, you know, you've got to earn it. You're not going to get it until you earn it, right? And and you're saying it's mm-hmm. it's just the opposite. That's exactly right. I mean, okay. to hear of that story of the, the parable of the prodigal son, mm-hmm. you know, where the father's already running towards the son Good point. upon his return before the son even has a chance to express sorrow and repentance. Hmm. God is always first running towards us. And if we took that parable a little bit further, we would say it's the love of the father that moves the son to return in the first place. Wow. And so it's it's not our goodness that makes God love us, but rather... God's loving us is what makes us good, you know, and so that's really important to keep in mind because we do, we can't easily fall into that way of thinking of, well, grace is something we earn, right? as opposed to it being a gratuitous gift from God. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. And now, now I've also heard we obtain graces through the sacraments of the Church, and that's another thing that is just, I mean, if we partake in these sacraments, for instance, marriage, where then we're already bestowed on what will it take for us to have a the graces it will take for us to have a good and healthy marriage they're there it's just up uh, to us to utilize them right yeah that's right and so that kind of brings us to the next idea the uh-huh. next point which is that you know the grace always precedes every good action in our lives moving us towards god moving us to love others selflessly mm-hmm. um but at the same time god has also instituted unfailing ways of communicating further graces to us, mm-hmm. you know, by participating in the sacramental life of the Church, which, you know, we say uh, communicates grace ex opere operato, meaning by the nature of the operation itself, or the work itself. It's not dependent upon the holiness of the minister, but it's always God who is unfailingly acting through these sacraments, so that grace redounds into grace. Yeah. And so grace precedes us, it's carried within us, and it's always waiting for us. And God asks us to cooperate with that grace 
so that we can continue to grow in that friendship with him. That is beautiful. I mean, these are, you know, it's so good to actually close the show with that today. Just knowing that God is there. He's always there. He's always waiting for us. And he's always bestowing, showering us with these gifts. Uh, Dr. Haddad. Once again, thanks for joining us. That was very uplifting. That was good to hear. (laughs) We're going to be talking to you really, really soon, and we're going to send folks to your website, uh, which is, uh, hang on, it is, what's your website, doctor? I'm I'm missing it. Here it is, SL, the number nine, SL9art.com. Right. So uh, there we go, uh, because there's a lot more to learn. So Dr. Haddad, once again, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. That's beautiful, Gabby. Isn't that nice? I know. Thank goodness we have Dr. Haddad here to answer all of the questions that we have. (laughs) Unearned. I mean, uh, granted, we want a good relationship with Christ. We're not going to just sit back and let it happen. But isn't that so nice to know? So, Yes. Are you ready to close with prayer? I am. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Master and Holy God, who are beyond our understanding... At your word, light came forth out of darkness, preparing the world for each of us. As we rise from our sleep and prepare for this new day, grant us the graces necessary to live out our vocation and Lenten commitments, the desire to glorify your goodness, and the will to offer our lives as a living sacrifice of praise through all that we say and do today. We ask this in the holy name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you and I. It was a great show. Great. We're so grateful yes. for our listeners and viewers for being with us today and tuning in, tuning their heart to the truth. We have a wonderful lineup for you tomorrow. Deacon Richard Abadante, Deacon of the Diocese of Baton Rouge, will talk about his call to the, to the diaconate and talk a little bit more about vocations. David Dawson Jr. with Witness to Love will talk about marriage and family life. And Stephanie Gray, Catholic author and pro-life advocate, will talk about being pro-life in the United States right now. What are the challenges that we are facing and will be facing? She'll equip us with those tools. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. And thank you so much, actually. Before we go, Jeff Blackwell, Karen Cotton. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful t- Wednesday. Yeah, it's God a bless. joy. It's a pleasure. Come on, Wednesdays. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.